It's game day, USC football fans. Get up to speed on the Trojans and their opponents with the USCfootball.com Peristyle pregame show. Host Ryan Abraham, Shotgun Spradling, and Keely Yur break down the game from all angles with the in-depth analysis, interviews from the practice field, and expert insights from media members covering the opposition. Let's jump right in and kick things off with uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the uscfootball.com Peristyle pregame show at uscfootball.com. We cover the Trojans 24 hours a day, 365 days a year with reports, analysis, interviews, podcasts, photos, videos, and lots more. Make sure you check out the site for wall-to-wall USC coverage. The Peristyle pregame show is proudly sponsored by Trader Joe's. As the college football season enters November, it's time to start thinking about Thanksgiving. Stop by Trader Joe's and pick up a package of Dan Weber's favorite corn pudding. Grab a bag of stuffing-flavored potato chips and check out all the amazing holiday products you can only find at your neighborhood Trader Joe's. All right, let's bring in Keely and Shotgun and give out our awards for the Oregon game. You know, it's hard to give awards after a loss like that, but there's always bright spots. One of them is on offense. USC's MVPs, I'm going with. USC's freshman wide receivers. First career touchdowns for both Drake London and Kyle Ford. It was actually Kyle Ford's first catch of his career, but for a touchdown, pretty nice. So a bright future for USC in their wide receiver core. Yeah, late in the game, but it's nice for Kyle Ford, a former five-star, to get that touchdown. For the defensive side, we're going to go with Isaiah Polamau. Now, I know he came out of the game for a targeting call, but he did have a big tackle for a loss and only the second interception of the season against Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert and when he was on the field guys USC was plus 10 they were up 10 nothing when he left the field USC was down by 42 points so we're going to go with Isaiah pull him out even though he didn't finish the game on the lineman side, let's look at our lineman of the game. We'll give it to Jay Tefele. He had five total tackles and had a sack. Going around Pinay Sewell, the, the All-American candidate left tackle that Oregon has, getting a sack against him, one of the first ones. So we're going to give it to Jay Tefele this week. You know, for our special teams award, a little hard to come by this week since they gave up that big touchdown return. But Ben Griffiths might be the, the lone bright spot. He had three punts that all went inside the 20. Yeah, nice job. Well, I bet Ben Griffith did what he was asked to do. Lighting the torch, that's our play of the game for Oregon. It has to be the first touchdown in that first quarter. Keaton Slovis, the true freshman, to another true freshman, Drake London. You see Slovis getting pressured, running around the pocket, almost doing a figure eight in the pocket, then finding Drake London, opening the end zone for a touchdown on the first drive, giving USC some momentum. Great play from uh, Keaton Slovis and Drake London. A little Sam Darnold-esque, right? Yeah, definitely a little Sam Darnold-esque. However, hurt him a little bit later when he tried to do it again and, and try to hold on to the ball a little bit too long and fumbled down near the goal line. But our head scratcher is actually one of his other turnovers, which is, is telling of this game because there were so many turnovers. But Keaton Slovis interception, he throws the ball to Tyler Vaughn's, but there's no Tyler Vaughn's in the picture. What happened? Well, Tyler Vaughn's gets tackled by the safety, and somehow, again, the Pac-12 referees just conveniently forgot to see it, and <laughs> he goes down on the ground. D'Amador Lenore, give him credit, making a nice one-handed grab. That was on fourth down, and then subsequent fourth downs, USC's in plus territory. Another kind of head-scratcher is, why are you not going for it on fourth and four in the fourth quarter when you're down a bunch of points? Instead, USC chooses to punt there, and that's why we got Ben Griffiths inside the 20 on a lot of those punts is 
because USC was in plus territory several times and couldn't make the most of it. Yeah, pretty much waving the white flag there at that point in the game. But Chuckin, you mentioned the fixer-upper that I had for USC, uh, Keaton Slovis and his turnovers. If you look at the losses that USC's had this season, it's because their quarterback hasn't taken care of the ball. So that's going to be key going forward, especially against ASU. They're second in turnover margin in the Pac-12. So USC has to take care of the ball if they want any chance uh, to get another W. Yeah, I talked to Keaton this week and got an opportunity to check in with him about his progression, how he's kind of grown this season, and also, you know, he's returning to his home state of Arizona. What's that going to be like for him? Keaton, obviously coming off a loss to Oregon, what do you take away from that game? What do you kind of learn from that game? Um, I think the biggest thing is just protecting the football. And I said earlier, obviously, uh, you know, you had some plays that, that you know, tip ball and, and a, a PI that we think we have. Um, but again, something like the fumble or, or even those plays, you just got to protect the ball and know the situation. And I think that's the biggest thing you come away from. It seemed like things kind of started snowballing on you guys. When, when that's happening, what can you do as an offense, as a quarterback, to kind of slow things down and, and kind of mitigate that and, and get some positive things going for you? Yeah, you just got you know focus on executing the basic things. And I think, you know, honestly, at first we did a good job of that, throwing the pick six. We came right back and marched on the field and scored. But, uh, you know, after the kick return, we got to – and after halftime, really, um, getting two scores in a row, we got to come back and do that again, you know. So uh, I think we did a decent job of that at first, but we just got to keep it rolling and not get two down. Obviously, you guys move the ball really well, you know, to the 40-yard line. We'll say, uh, you know, I think it was 11 of 12 drives that you guys moved into their territory, but coming away with only 24 points, what do you have to do better once you get in positive territory? Um, you just got to be patient, I think. Uh, you know, especially when you get in the red zone, they're going to start to drop guys more. Um, that's why you saw, like, on the fumble, I was waiting because they're, they're, they have more guys in the end zone. But, again, I just got to execute on the last play that I fumbled on. I should have thrown it out to Amon and, and get him out in space. So, uh, you know, I can't try to make too much happen at the same time and, and just execute my reads. One of the things that the teams have done is try to drop guys, you know, especially after the BYU game. You've seen a lot of drop eight coverage, and especially when you get down in the red zone, there's more, you know, guys dropping. You know, how do you kind of read that, and how do you kind of try to attack that? Yeah, I mean, almost every one of our concepts we have – with our deep stuff, we have some underneath every time. So, uh, you know, that's the thing. It might be your fourth or fifth read, but you just got to get there. And uh, I think we did a better job of that um, as we progress through the season. Now we've seen it more, but, you know, we has got to be more disciplined with it. Where do you think you've, you've had the biggest area of growth so far this season? Um, probably, probably in terms of that, you know. I don't think I ever – we have a mesh concept. I don't think I ever threw the mesh route until shoot, probably the BYU, uh, Arizona game. So, uh I think just progressing in that and just trusting the, the reads and, and getting getting there in, in that term. Uh, you know, in, in my old offense in high school, you know, we didn't have anything like that. So it's, it's been a bit of a learning curve. But, uh, you know, I think we've gotten better in that aspect. How about as a leader? You know, as a freshman quarterback, obviously with a, a lot of older guys around you, that receiving core that you have, is, is it tough to be a leader? And what, maybe what, what strides have you made this season as a leader? Um, I think I've gotten more comfortable, you know, being trying to be a leader with the older guys, you know. <laughs> when you come in here and you're 18 years old, you know, it's not easy to, to tell a 22-year-old, 21-year-old to what to do, you know. But as a quarterback, that's your job, you know. you got to command the offense and, and uh, you know, operate. But uh, I think I've gotten more comfortable with that, just, just being out here and being around the guys more. Obviously, going back to Arizona, playing against Arizona State, not too far from from uh, your hometown. You know, what's kind of the you know how do you kind of approach that, knowing that you're going to have a bunch of family and friends there? Yeah, no, I've thought about it a bit, and it's really exciting to go home and you know play in what's what's probably a 20 minute drive from my home. But uh, you know, I just got to treat it like any other week, and, and you don't want to get too overly emotional about it because you know with the highs and lows, you don't want to get get caught up in that. But you know, it should be fun to play in front of a. You know, coaches and, and families and friends that uh, I've grown up with. But again, it's just another week. And then, what do you kind of you know what what stands out about that Arizona State defense? 
Um, they do a lot of things to try to confuse you. You know, they're a diff- bunch of different looks for our line. But, you know, as, as I think we've had every single single defense we play this week, if we execute, we'll, we'll be fine. You know, we just got to go through our reads and, and do what we do, and we'll be, we'll be just fine. Hard to believe that Keaton Slovis is just 18 years old running this USC Trojan football team. Graham Harrell put a lot of confidence in him early on, making him the backup quarterback to JT Daniels, and he's delivered. Now, there's been some turnover problems. We saw him go on the road against Notre Dame and not turn the ball over, but some of the other games, obviously, he's had a hard time securing the ball. I think he's going to have to do a good job of that. Now, Arizona State doesn't intercept a lot of passes, but he can't let that happen. He can't fumble in the, the pocket. He can't throw picks to a guy like Jack Jones, the former USC Trojan. He takes care of the football there. I think USC is going to be able to take care of business. Yeah, you mentioned his youth. You kind of forget sometimes the learning curve. It, it's been this season for Keaton Slovis. Oh, yeah. But going back to Arizona, I actually interviewed him at his high school in Arizona last year. And his team was not good. He didn't have a, <laughs> a cast of characters that he does now on his team at USC. But a, a steep learning curve for him. Yeah, one of the things he told me after the interview was you know, we were talking about Michael Pittman Jr. and having him as a weapon on the outside and having him as a leader, you know, the, the offensive captain on this team. He said it's been really nice to have him, a guy that's been willing to come and befriend him as a 22-year-old, 21, 22-year-old versus an 18-year-old. And he, you know, he didn't, he said maybe it's because he's the guy that's throwing him the ball, but he, <laughs> he did say that, you know, Pittman. You want to be friendly to your quarterback. Of course, okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, he said Pittman, as, you know, the, the way he leads by, example and you know he's given him a, a great uh, kind of mentor to follow as a leader on the offensive side and has helped him out a lot in that regard so I think the the older teammates on the team have made him feel welcome and allowed him to lead in the in the pocket in the huddle uh, something that has to is, is kind of required when you when you have a young quarterback you know if the other the guys around him don't help out and kind of allow him to be the leader it makes it much more difficult. Yeah, we saw that at the Stanford game. He really took the reins, and it's nice when you have your your fellow teammates allow you to do that. All right, we're going to finish up this segment with the matchups to watch for USC and Arizona State. Yeah, it starts with Keaton Slovis, we just talked about, and that wide receiver course, Michael Pittman Jr. in particular, going against ASU secondary and former Trojan, Jack Jones, who's on the other side there. You know, he's got 11 passes deflected this season. He's breaking up a bunch of balls, is in the top 20 in the nation, but their pass defense is not that great. They're ranked 90th in the country. Now, they give up a lot of yards. They don't give up a ton of points, though, and that's something that's going to be a key for USC. Once you get past midfield, can you punch the ball into the end zone? Last week, 11 of their 12 drives, they moved the ball into Oregon Territory. You know, that is a crazy wow. stat. Yeah, that's 11 nuts. of 12 drives, <laughs> and they came away with 24 points. Now, 24 points is okay, but not when you have the ball 11 times in your opponent's yeah. territory. So they've got to do a much better job this week. Can they capitalize once they get in some positive yardage? Now another matchup to watch is on the other side of the ball. ASU also has a freshman quarterback. Jaden Daniels has been lining up both with his arm and his legs. He's another mobile quarterback that USC is going to have to face. USC's defensive front is going to be challenged once again. I talked to defensive line coach Chad Kay, and he said the main key is tackling, not only with Jaden Daniels, but also the running back Eno Benjamin. Last year, he had 185 yards and two touchdowns against the Trojans. He's keeping that momentum going this season. He has 679 yards and seven touchdowns on the season. So USC will have their hands full. Jaden Daniels, another guy from Southern California that you know decided to go to Arizona State. Watch those legs because remember last year, Manny Wilkins had the big touchdown run at the end of the game that you know gave Arizona State that win. Jaden Daniels does love those last-second heroics. He already has three game-winning drives this season. The last matchup, a little off-kilter, I guess you could say. USC Trojan football players' morale 
they haven't given up all season, even though all the no outside noise about Clay Helton and what his future is going to be. But in the second half against Oregon, they look like they kind of gave up. What is USC going to do on the road against Arizona State? A new athletic director, Mike Bone, was named this week. Didn't say anything about the future of Clay Helton. We're not sure what it's going to be, but will the players come out and play hard for Clay Helton? All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our player perspective segment where Keely Yor breaks things down with former USC All-American safety, Taylor Mays. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the USCfootball.com Parastyle pregame show. In this segment, we will look at the game from a player's perspective with host Keelier and former USC All-American safety Taylor Mays. We're back with another episode of Player's Perspective, but before we get into it, I just want to give special thanks to Platinum Storage and the store local companies for sponsoring the USCfootball.com Parastyle pregame show. Platinum Storage is one of the nation's leading privately held commercial real estate companies specializing in self-storage. Established in 1999, Platinum Storage owns, manages, and develops self-storage facilities in Southern California and throughout the United States. For more information, Information, email inquiries at platinumstorage.com or call 949-770-2232. Well, Taylor, not the result we expected, USC, Oregon. Yeah, it was rough. I think people look at a blowout loss and they kind of wonder what's going on in the locker room, what's going on in the players' minds. And players' perspective is so <laughs> handy for this, especially because the last time that USC lost this badly in the Coliseum, Watch it. you happened to be on the field. Yeah, I was. So, from a player's perspective, no pun intended, I guess, how do you bounce back from a loss like that? What's going on in their mind? What's the locker room like? What's kind of the mood on the team? Yeah, Keely, I didn't think you were going to bring it up, but I was there for the game against Stanford in 2009 where we got blown out at home. Jim Harbaugh versus Pete Carroll where at the 50-yard line after the game, Pete said to him, you know, what's your deal, man? And they went for two points after they scored a touchdown. It was like, 48 to 21 and I think they wanted to post 50 points against us at the Coliseum which you know makes sense I get it I get what they were trying to do but uh after watching the game on Saturday it obviously reminded me a lot of when I that was what 10 years ago now too yeah right I think it's a little bit deeper with this current football team just because of some of the things that are going on off of the field and USC just hired a new athletic director this week and the hardest part about this game and watching it was we really played well in the first half. Oregon was really struggling. We showed that we could play you know, physically with this football team. The problem was was that we stopped executing. You know, They made a couple of plays that really just took the gas out of us, and I think we lost faith in our cause. And that's where words like consistency, discipline, execution – really come into focus because this season especially after this game our guys just have to focus on the task at hand it's one of the hardest things to do to try to put blinders on especially after a huge loss but our guys just need to keep their head down and focus on you know what they're doing for this upcoming week because I know we lost control of what's going to happen in terms of the Pac-12 South and, you know, a potential uh, Pac-12 championship game. But there's still a lot of football left. After we lost to Stanford, 
you know, especially for me being a senior, it was heartbreaking. But you got to on to the next. You have to continue to go on to the next because there are still opportunities out there to prove who you are as a football player and who you are as a football team. And once we are able to win a game and, you know, get past where we're at right now, I think the players and the team will just naturally feel a lot better. Part of the reason why the game against Oregon spiraled so quickly was partially because of Keaton Slovis' turnovers. Yeah. And when you look at the season as a whole, when USC's quarterback hasn't taken care of the ball, it usually ends up to a loss. Yeah, we struggle. I know Keaton's a freshman, and sometimes you have to live and die by the freshman mistakes, but yeah. what can this team do as a whole to try and limit how costly those turnovers can be? It's hard because, obviously, Keaton is a freshman quarterback, and he's going to make some mistakes that freshman quarterbacks make. But at the same time, some of the turnovers that he commits are demoralizing to the entire team, to everybody in the stadium. And we really saw that on Saturday, really with the interception they got ran back because it just kind of took the wind out of our entire team's sails. If we commit a critical error on offense and or defense, I would like to see the opposite side of the ball not get affected. It seemed like after Keaton threw the interception, our defense kind of shut it down early as well. And especially for us going forward with the amount of turnovers that we had, we had to figure something out this week against Arizona State because they're one of the best teams in turnover margin in the Pac-12. And we talked about earlier about how some of the fumbles that Keaton had against Colorado might not bounce that way against Oregon. It happened that same way. And going into this Arizona State game, I think they're second in the country in forced fumbles. It's yeah. something crazy like that. Yeah. Uh, like third in the country in uh, fumbles recovered. So we have to take care of the football in this game or else they're going to run away with even more forced fumbles and fumbles recovered. I think another factor in this as well is just that the injuries to USC's running backs have really taken away a facet of their yeah. offense. They've had to get creative. Keaton broke the USC record for pass attempts against Oregon. So how much have these running back injuries affected what USC can do on offense? Well, you just said it. I mean, 57 throws in a game and 40 of them came in the first half. And I think what's happening is Keaton is trying to overcompensate a little bit for the running game. He's feeling like he has to throw the ball. They're calling, you know, pass plays. He's feeling like he has to make plays with his arm. And I think it's kind of shooting us in the foot by him trying to force balls in there. He's holding on to it a little bit too long. And we need to figure something out where we can set up a running game. Even if we had to put in Keaton Christian or Quincy Junti in the backfield and run the same run plays that we would normally run with uh, Carr or Vi, maybe we should do it just to try to set up an actual run game. The hard part is going to be this week against Arizona State. They have one of the best run defenses in the Pac-12. So we don't have any running backs. They have one of the best run defenses. In the in nation. The pac- yeah, well, really in the nation, yeah. And it's hard. Do you motion Amon Ra into the back? They've gotten creative. Yeah, they've gotten very creative. I personally think that we should run the ball 15, 20 times a game at least because we have to try and bring another defender into the box. What's happening is they're rushing three dropping eight, Keaton's standing back there, sometimes with all the time in the world, sometimes he's getting rushed, and we need to try to bring another defender into the box. We have to get them to respect our run game, or it's going to be the same thing that we've seen these last couple weeks where teams just rush three guys, drop eight, and he has to try and thread the needle in zone coverage, 
And that's hard for any quarterback to do, let alone a true freshman quarterback with six stars. Now, Arizona State has their own freshman quarterback. Yeah. And he can get it done with both his arm and his legs. Another mobile quarterback for USC's defense. And we know that's something they've struggled with. Yeah. So what's the key to stopping a mobile quarterback this time around with Jaden Daniels? One thing I like about their true freshman quarterback is he has three game-winning drives already this season, two of them in the closing seconds of the game. This Arizona State team has played in a lot of very close football games, very similar to the game that we played against Colorado. And I would just I would like to see our team, especially our defense, be able to come out and play for four quarters. We showed what we could do really in the first quarter of the Oregon game with the enthusiasm, the speed that we played with. We just had to be able to carry it out for four quarters. And I think this game against Arizona State and this freshman quarterback is a great opportunity for us to show that we can do it not just for one quarter or two, but we can do it for an entire game. And that's the next step that this team and this defense needs to take. And it looks like USC will get some help getting Drake Jackson and Talanoa Hufunga back. Thank God. Yeah, they're key to USC's defense, especially when it comes to tackling. That's what defensive line coach Chad K said will be so important. He said USC needs to tackle two and three. And who he's referring to is wide receiver Brendan Ayuk and running back Eno Benjamin. Those are two people who you have to gain tackle. You have to wrap up when you're at the point of contact. Yeah, we talk about tackling every single week. But obviously tackling is the most important thing that a defense can do. Yeah. I think Talanoa Hafunga coming back is crucial for this week because at the safety position, he's called to make a ton of tackles. He was averaging 10-plus tackles a game before he got injured. And if you look at guys like Brandon Ayuk, he's second in college football with 508 yards after catch. We need to tackle him. He's a big play guy. He's catching the ball, and he's getting upfield. And we need guys like Talanoa Hufunga to tackle him. If you look at Eno Benjamin, he's a very solid running back. He smoked USC last year. He was a huge part of their game plan, and he's obviously looking to do the same thing this week. Another reason why we need Talanoa back, but even more so, we need guys like Drake Jackson in the lineup because they're big bodies, they're athletic. And you have to remember, this Arizona State team started the season 5-1. and one. They beat Michigan State in East Lansing, which if you know about college football, that is a very difficult thing to do. And then they had back-to-back losses now being 5-3. and three. But this team is a very capable football team. They just have been inconsistent, just like we have. But they've been in a lot of close games. They're not Oregon. They're not Notre Dame. But they're not a slouch either. And if USC isn't on its game, they could definitely beat us. Kind of like Colorado in that sense. Exactly. But they're better than Colorado. They're yeah. better athletes. They have the young quarterback. But they have skill position players that can make plays. And our guys really need to bring their A game. It's hard. You know, you're coming off and getting blown out. But you have to redirect and refocus. Because if you don't, this Arizona State team, they want to play in a bowl game. They've lost two games in a row. They're looking to get their feet back just as much as we are and if we don't watch out you know they'll surprise us well in that sense how do you think this one's going to go on saturday and i'm not letting you forget you're seven and two now you carry that too yeah i carry that too but hey seven and two is about i don't know what percent that is but it's passing so i'll take it it's not honor roll but it's above 500 it's like second honor roll maybe but i think for us in this game it comes down to do we take care of the ball? We know with Jaden Daniels that he's going to take care of the ball. With Keaton this season, he's been 
you know, inconsistent in that category. We need him to take care of the ball, and we need this offense to figure out some sort of run game. On defense, I'm very encouraged by getting Talanoa Hufunga back. I think he's the leader of this defense. I think it'll boost the morale of everybody on defense, and really, I think, on the offense as well. And I think that our guys will pull out this win. I think we're going to make some of the same mistakes that we've talked about earlier, but I think overall that we're a pretty good team. We just have to be a little bit more consistent and we would be a pretty good football team. But I, I think on Saturday that we definitely will win this football game. You could take it to the bank. I will say this. You go big. You don't shy away from your predictions. Yeah, I respect I'm, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit bold. I'm a little bit all capital letters. But I'm all 100% supportive of University of Southern California. As we would expect from a former player. But yeah. Taylor, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Keely. Alrighty, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going behind enemy lines, getting the full scoop about the Arizona State Sun Devils. CBS Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to the USCfootball.com Parastyle pregame show. In this segment, host Ryan Abraham will go behind enemy lines and get insight on the game from USC's opponent's point of view. Before we get to our guest, I'd like to thank Trader Joe's for their sponsorship of the USCfootball.com Parastyle pregame show. The next time you visit the USC campus, check out the Trader Joe's at the USC Village where you'll find food and drink from the everyday to the oddly interesting, all at amazing prices. You can't miss the store. It's in the Red Brick Building. All right, let's bring in our guest. Chris Cartman does an amazing job covering the Sun Devils football, basketball, and recruiting here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Cartman, K-A-R-P-M-A-N. Thanks for coming on, Chris. Ryan, always great to be with you, man. Chris is my source for all ASU information. He knows what's going on inside and out of that program, and it's been very interesting with Herm Edwards at the helm. Second year, Herm Edwards, uh, the head coach at Arizona State. He's proving a lot of the doubters wrong, including me. What stood out to you the most of what Herm's done there uh, in Tempe? Well, you know, Ryan, he's found a very good uh, way about how to balance being a disciplined program, but also allowing players to have their own uh, unique personalities. I think he does a good job of just relationship development, keeping an open door, having ongoing dialogue. And then I think he picked uh, a very good defensive coordinator in particular and somebody who uh, matched his ideology and would be able to build the team in the image that he really wants it to be, which is really having a, a defense and then a run game that can travel. He, he says that all the time. And then getting Jaden Daniels as a freshman quarterback in his second year, of course, is uh, a really big development for the program that they can really build around him as a centerpiece. So I think those are some of the, the main things that really stand out about uh, what they've done to this point. It's been a very good recruiting staff, and you mentioned Jaden Daniels, the freshman sensation at quarterback. Can you evaluate his play? Obviously a big recruit for Herm Edwards and company. His play and development, you know, three-quarters of the way through his first season. Well, he's far and away the best freshman quarterback that I've seen at ASU. He was the first to ever start the first game of his freshman year, so that just speaks to his talent. But he's really poised. The ball never really seems to be put in jeopardy. Uh, the decision-making is really almost pristine 
for a freshman, which is, uh, you know, kind of hard to imagine. He's also an accurate three-level thrower, and uh, he's somebody who can make a lot of plays with his feet when things break down or when he has to scramble, even though that's not really his preference. He is still very skinny and he's going to have to get a lot uh, bigger and stronger. But uh, the potential is is there for him to be a first-round type of a talent. And I'm guessing he's probably not going to be around more than three years because there just haven't been really any guys like him in an ASU jersey at quarterback uh, in recent decades. So that's something that they they don't want to let go to waste. You know, I mean, you have a quarterback like that. They're going to have a maturing defense in the next year. Uh, they need to make sure that they maximize that and take advantage of it as their roster matures into next year and then especially 2021. Some uh, teams have, you know, running back by committee, not ASU. There's a feature back. It's very clear. It's Eno Benjamin, seven touchdowns. He's third in the Pac-12. He's also got 22 catches for 204 yards, a couple of touchdowns. 679 rushing yards, like pretty good. But did you expect him to have kind of a bigger season? And how, how would you evaluate he, how he's played so far? Yeah, I kind of thought that his numbers would drop off a little bit for two reasons. Hardly having a freshman quarterback, although that hasn't been the main reason. Uh, the significant thing that's really hurt ASU's offense and also Benjamin's production has been their offensive line, which lost two of their best players from last year and then another one who's been on a personal absence pretty much all year. They, they have two true freshmen playing on their offensive line, and they're just not as good up front as they were last year. And so Benjamin, he's having to deal with a lot of defensive players in the backfield pretty quickly. He's breaking a lot of tackles. A lot of it's hard running. He has a couple good games of late that's kind of made his yards per carry number look better. But for a while there, he was at the bottom of the Pac-12, despite him being clearly one of the better backs in the Pac-12. They they are getting a little bit more continuity and some rhythm with their run game. And so I think that they have a chance to have a decent outing against USC. I'm certainly he's probably a little bit frustrated from a number standpoint and just the running lanes not being what they had been last year. No, Nikhil Harry. How about some of the other skill position guys? Who's uh, who stands out to you so far uh, in this offense? Well, Brandon Ayuk is, is excellent. I think he's got a chance to be like a like maybe a second, third round NFL pick if everything goes right for him. Like if he finishes the the year really strong. He's going to be a thousand yard receiver. I think he, he's different than Harry. He's not like that, that possession 50, 50 ball receiver. He's more of a guy who's uh, a run after the catch. Uh, he's a little bit more slippery as a route runner. He's someone that is going to potentially give USC and other teams some issues. Uh, he'll test, uh, the, the coverages certainly. Uh, other than that, you know, Frank Darby is, is a big play threat. Doesn't really make a lot of just you know, routine kind of catches. It's more like this big plays down the field. Uh, Kyle Williams is the guy that they use a lot on the short to intermediate type stuff. And he moves chain. He's a good blocker. He's a glue guy for them offensively. They haven't really got their tight ends going in the way that I think they had hoped to. Uh, they have a freshman, Nolan Matthews, who's really talented, but he's just not quite ready yet. And Curtis Hodges is a hybrid guy, but he's not been reliable. Uh, so really it, it's, they have only you know, several weapons on their offense that you really have to key in on. Primarily, of course, Benjamin, Brandon Ayuk, and then you have to watch uh, the big play home run shots to Frank Darby and then Kyle Williams on some of the, the shorter, the quick hitting type stuff. 
Overall, not a lot of explosive plays on offense, really, in the run game or the pass game. Has that kind of been designed? Is that the way the offense has been designed this year? Um, not so much. I think they would definitely like to have more potency in that regard, but I think the big part that's limiting them is the protection, right? If you can't really hold up in protections long enough to, to, to allow time for those routes to develop down the field, that's a problem. And also, I think people know who their big play weapons are, so it, it's that makes it a little bit easier for defenses to key on them in some regards. You know, I, I think those are the main factors of the run game we kind of talked about earlier. They haven't had, they haven't hit on those big runs from scrimmage because they just haven't had those clean initial holes for Benjamin to get on the second level really quickly. And, and so that's been, that's been an issue for them all year because they, it, it's not just that they haven't had those really big plays in enough number they also haven't been able to move the chains you know on longer drives very successfully against uh, especially better defenses because they uh have execution issues uh that are you know related to their youth and and some of their other issues on the defensive side of the ball the run defense looks stellar uh, number 22 in the nation giving up 100 and just under 115 yards per game what's uh, what's been good about this Arizona State run defense well, they're really good against pro-style teams in particular. The teams that want to run straight at you, they've been able to clog gaps up. They've been able to get to the backfield and be disruptive. On first and second downs, this defense is really good. The, the problem has been, and kind of inexplicably, they've given up a lot of third down completions, including you know, more of the, the medium to long variety, which is not what you would necessarily expect. And that's been frustrating for Danny Gonzalez, the coordinator, and some of the players. That was really also an issue, particularly against UCLA, against Colorado, teams that they, they lost to in Utah, probably to a lesser extent, even though they were, they were thoroughly beaten by Utah. So I just feel like um, they got to do better on third down. And some of, the, some of the, the runs that are more like outside breaking at times have been a little bit of an issue, even though they've handled jet sweeps quite well. How about the uh, pass defense? Who's, who stood out to you there? Well, um, they're, they got some veteran defensive backs. Kobe Williams is excellent. He is their best uh, defensive back on the team as a senior from Long Beach Poly, played for Antonio Pierce there, went to Long Beach Community College. Um, the other side has been pretty good, but not, not excellent. And that's where you see Jack Jones and Chase Lucas kind of rotating. Each of them ha- has given up couple big plays this year and when they've they've lost or they've been threatened it's been when they've given up uh, the home run balls on that side of the field and so that's something to watch in this game of course with Pittman and Vons and what they have from a big play capability uh, I don't think they're going to probably beat Kobe Williams or at least that's kind of unlikely and I think ASU is going to go sometimes to some dime defense stuff against USC where they have all three of those guys on the field. Ashari Crosswell is a star safety from Long Beach Poly as a sophomore, but he's, um, I think, much better in zone coverage than man. So when teams are able to get some isolation against him in some man coverages, I think that's uh, an issue. And they've also induced some assignment errors uh, on him with uh, just kind of looking where he's not supposed to on some plays. So there is, there is an opportunity for USC to hit on a couple of big shots, and I think that's actually going to be one of the, the whole keys to this game 
And that's why ASU also has to do a good job of getting Slovis a little bit uh, uncomfortable having to move in the pocket a little bit more than he wants to. Jack Jones, a name familiar with USC fans, former five-star quarterback that was on the Trojans roster. Not a lot of interceptions uh, for this group, but really good at, at, at forcing fumbles, recovering fumbles. What have they been doing to kind of take care of the ball and also force some of those turnovers? Well, they've done an excellent job taking care of the ball. Uh, Jane Daniels has been excellent with ball security in, in all respects. You know, Benjamin had you know, one bad fumble against UCLA, but generally takes care of the ball. The receivers have taken a, a good care of the ball. They had a goal on defense of getting 20 interceptions this year, and they're just like, if they get halfway there this season, you know, that that's that would be maybe even like uh, a good result at this point. I think they haven't been able to just have the situational awareness and maybe it's been a little bit of unluckiness in some respects. And then some players just, they're getting to spots like a, a split second late. They're just like barely missing on some of their breaks or some of their reads. It just seems like, they haven't been able to to execute uh, nearly enough to be able to make some of those big plays happen. And I think that's something that they are, are going to really try to address in this game. If you look at Slovis, in, at least in my opinion, he's been excellent, I think, as a freshman also. But where he has struggled at times is with fitting balls into zone coverages and with maybe not seeing some underneath defenders. And so I think ASU is going to try to uh, do some creative things to maybe get him thinking the coverage is one thing, but then it's going to kind of shift into being something else. And maybe he, uh, maybe he won't be able to uh, identify somebody who's in zone coverage. All right. Uh, Chris does an amazing job covering the Arizona state sun devils for sundevilsource.com. Make sure you check out his stuff. Thanks, Chris. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Ryan. All right. We'll take a quick break and be back for our final segment here on the Peristyle pregame show. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Welcome back to the USCfootball.com Peristyle pregame show. Here's your host, Ryan Abraham. We're going to finish up the show with Chris Trevino's five bold predictions for the Arizona State game. Hear from USC safety Isaiah Polamal. And finally, Keely Shotgun and I will give our game predictions. Thanks to Platinum Storage and the store local companies for sponsoring the USCfootball.com Peristyle pregame show. Platinum Storage is one of the nation's leading privately held commercial real estate companies specializing in self-storage. Established in 1999, Platinum Storage owns, manages, and develops self-storage facilities in Southern California and throughout the United States. For more information, email inquiries at PlatinumStorage.com or call 949-770-2232. All right, let's jump right into Chris Trevino's bold predictions for USC and Arizona State. This is Chris Trevino with uscfootball.com, and these are my five predictions for USC versus Arizona State. Prediction number one, Drake London scores another touchdown. One of the few bright spots in USC's loss to Oregon on Saturday was the first career touchdown for freshman wide receiver Drake London, who has been one of Keaton Slovis' top options the last three games, with 15 receptions for 188 yards and that touchdown. I actually penciled it in London for a touchdown in my predictions last week, but changed it to another 50-plus yard game, which he did hit. 
I think number 9 and number 15 can hook up again in the end zone, especially with USC looking to throw over runs once they get in the red zone. Prediction number 2, Arizona State forces a fumble. One specific area that the Sun Devils defense really excels in is causing fumbles. ASU ranks 2nd in the nation with 15 forced fumbles this season, 2 off the nation's leader, Illinois. Overall, opponents have fumbled 20 times against Arizona State with 11 recoveries, tied for 3rd in the nation. Meanwhile, USC is last in the Pac-12 with 15 fumbles, which also ranks a number 105 nationally. Prediction number three, zero rushing touchdowns for USC. One of the things I noticed from USC's red zone trips was a lack of usage of the run game. USC is very clearly missing a bigger back like Marquis Stepp once it enters the 25-yard line. It looks like USC will be down to one back again in the freshman Keenan Christian, so I doubt USC will push him over that 15-16 carry mark. I admit Slovis can very easily pull off a rushing touchdown scramble, especially with his ability to work the pocket, but I think a rushing touchdown is only coming on a big run, and ASU has limited those all year, with just six runs of 20 yards or more this season. Prediction number four, Keaton Slovis completes 65% of his passes with no interceptions. Slovis played the worst game of his career on Saturday with four total turnovers and a 56.1 completion percentage, by far the worst mark of his season. ASU's defense is another one that will try to trick the young QB, but I think his completion percentage gets back to his high standards. Basically, I'm doubling down on my prediction last week of no picks for Slovis, but this is also a homecoming game for him, and ASU only has three picks on the season. And finally, prediction number five, a tackle for a loss or sack for Drake Jackson. I got burned when I picked Christian Rector for a tackle for a loss in his return from a high ankle sprain, as he just didn't look right. Jackson was adamant about playing after Wednesday's practice, saying he couldn't miss any more games. ASU was also the team he nearly picked over USC back in the early signing period, so I like the extra motivation of a big comeback performance for him. Chris doesn't seem so high on the Trojans this week going into this game. No, not really. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure, but I'm going to pick, go with him on number three, zero rush, rushing touchdowns for USC. And Arizona State has one of the best rushing defenses in the nation. They're ranked 22nd, and USC doesn't get any help as far as injuries are concerned. They actually lose another guy. Dominique Davis is out with concussion protocol, so it's going to be pretty much up to Keenan Kristen to get the job done this week. The Sun Devils' rush defense is very good, but they also are very good at forcing fumbles 11 on the season. Their turnover margin is number two in the Pac-12. They could force a USC fumble when they're trying to run the ball in the red zone, and that would prevent USC from scoring a rushing touchdown. So a lot of different ways that ASU could keep USC out of the end zone on the ground. Don't forget about Amon Ross St. Brown, though. You know, he's been, oh, yeah. he's been in the backfield a lot you know, the last couple weeks. I think he might get in the end zone from the running back position Whoa. this week. That's going to be my bold prediction. What about Bayless Maybe Jones? Maybe from outside the yep. red zone. He had that 37-yarder the other time. That's, that's yeah. true. You know, he, he could be a guy, and he breaks tackles, and he's physical with the ball, and he takes care of the ball as well when he's running with it. So, you know, I don't think he's going to he's gonna be fumbling the ball, and I think he might get in the end zone this week. So that's my bold prediction. I think another guy that gets in the end zone is Drake London. I think he's going to get in the end zone for another touchdown. You know, Maybe he's a, a, an added weapon this week to an extent just because Michael Pittman Jr. a little bit banged up and you know if if Amon Ross St. Brown's in the backfield you throw the ball a little bit more to a guy like Drake London yeah he's on a roll I'm gonna go with his number four pick don't not gonna agree with it Chris sorry about that Keaton Slovis 65% of his passes I think that's possible but no interceptions I know ASU only has three interceptions on the season but they do defend a lot of passes they're really good at keeping teams out of the end zone, I just feel like Keaton Slovis on the road. That one time against Notre Dame, he didn't throw a pick. In this one, I kind of think there's going to be at least a pick or two because they're going to drop back into dime coverage. Maybe it's Jack Jones. Maybe it's the former USC Trojan that gets an interception on Slovis. But I think someone's going to pick him off 
in this game. All right, speaking of picking passes off, Isaiah Polamau did that last week. We're going to talk to him from practice, see what he has to say about facing Arizona State. Isaiah, can you just kind of walk me through what it's like as a player when you're on the field during a targeting call and you've got to wait those you know few moments where you don't really know if you get to stay, we have to go to the locker room. And what was the rest of your night like on Saturday after you had to leave the game? You know, uh, being on the field, waiting for them to just make a decision was, I don't know, it didn't really hit me until they made the call. You know, I was just looking at my team like, damn, I just messed up. Like, I was hyped because I made the hit, but at the same time, I knew I messed up because I kind of let my team down. That's how I felt. And just once I got in the locker room, I was just sick to my stomach because, like, you know, when they when NFL teams put on the tape, they look at certain teams against, you know, like in Oregon State, they're just a team, or Oregon was a team that, you know, scouts are going to look at, and I was just hurt that I couldn't be out there with my team putting on. Is that something you have to be more conscious of moving forward? You know, you're a fearsome hitter. I mean, that was your thing in high school. So is that going to change the way you – or will it be in the back of your mind moving forward? Uh, it's definitely not going to change my play, but um, I definitely will be smarter. You know, um, I'll definitely try to hit a little bit lower. But um, other than changing my game, it's not going to change a lot. This team is in a similar position to it was last year. You know, five and four, one game needed to get that bowl eligibility. In your opinion, what makes this team different to not, you know, suffer the same three-game losing streak to end the season that they did last that they did last year? Um, I think this team has more fight, has more heart in it. Um, we have a lot of guys that are hungry and want to win. You know, a lot of young guys that are hungry and ready to go. So, I think as a team, we just gotta rally together and play for each other. Have you seen more veterans, you know, talking up the younger guys about that, not letting? this opportunity escape and kind of fall into that similar history like last year? Yeah, uh, definitely. Older guys have been bringing in younger guys and bringing them under, under their wing and, like, watching film together, little things like that. But, um, you know, the older guys, they've just been doing their own thing, you know. As a team, we've been stepping up and try to, you know, rally behind those guys because they, they've been in this situation. They've been playing football, you know. So we just try to – they try to bring us along. What's it been like? For you, preparing for a big road game, but also knowing you get to, it's a little bit of a homecoming for you, you get to go back to Arizona. What's that been like this week? Uh, it's just great. I'm, I've been talking to my parents all week. You know, they're hella excited trying to get all the tickets they can get. But, um, you know, it's just uh, I'm happy that I get to go back and play in front of my family, my entire family. How many guys do you know on that Arizona State team? Do you know a couple of guys? Yeah, I know a couple of the other guys over there. Um, but on the field, we're not really friends, but... After the game, well, I'll, I'll say what's up to him. And what stands out about Jaden Daniels, the, the quarterback on film, when you've been watching? You know, he's elusive. He, he can get going, and he can really launch that ball. I think um, as a defense, we just have to keep him in, in the pocket and make him beat us passing the ball. All right, great stuff from Chris Trevino and Isaiah Polamau. A few players from the state of Arizona and a couple coaches uh, from that state as well. So interesting to see. It'll be a mini homecoming for some of those guys. How will they play in front of their family and friends? We saw the Oregon players. A lot of them came home to Southern California. They played pretty well. Interesting to see what that's going to be like. There's also some guys banged up on this USC Trojan team. Keely, what is the update as far as injuries go? Well, it looks like Isaiah Pullamau might get his his safety buddy back. Talano Hufunga looks like he'll come back from that uh, shoulder injury. And as well as Drake Jackson, which will be key against stopping uh, Jaden Daniels and Eno Benjamin. That's huge for this USC defense. Two of their biggest playmakers have been out the last couple of weeks. They're coming back. 
should be a big boom for this Trojan defense on the road. Without a doubt. And an unexpected boost, potentially. Stephen Carr is a game-time decision. That could be huge for USC's run game, getting a bigger back back there. That could change our predictions as far as, will USC get a rushing touchdown? But that, you know, not just the true freshman Keenan Kristen having Stephen Carr back would be big for this USC office in general. Now, something I'm looking at is the nickel position. Greg Johnson came out of uh, the game against Oregon with a concussion, and it looks like he's still going through concussion protocol. So we're not sure his status. And then Max Williams, we got word today, he's going to be out for the rest of the season with a foot injury that he suffered actually in practice this week. So what are they going to do with that nickel position? Are they going to stray away from using that nickel safety? Not sure. So something to watch for for sure. And then Hunter Eccles, we got word, uh, will have season end surgery on his shoulder so that's another guy that USC is losing on the defense yeah you're losing a pass rusher in Hunter Eccles that nickelback spot though they've got some options there they do still have some guys that have played a little bit you can move Chase Williams back there with Talano Hufunga back you could also use Kaulana Makala the freshman from Hawaii who who stepped in during that Notre Dame game and and played some so there are some options there for USC so that's not a dire situation as much as you might think when you lose your number one and number two guys Alrighty, guys it's that time of the show final predictions how do you think this one's going to go on saturday i think usc and arizona state are going to be a close game you look at the herm edwards coach teams it's always like this nfl sort of matchup they stop the run they don't give up a whole lot of points they win close games he's really good in the close games i think this one's going to be close in the desert I think it's 28-27, ASU squeaks out the win. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with your close game prediction, Ryan. I think ASU is going to win this one 24-21. USC struggled on the road, struggled in day games, so I don't think it's going to go well. In the battle of the freshman quarterbacks, I think ASU gets the nod there. Yeah, day games, they haven't been good. That's a good point, Keely. When you look at it, you do talk about how Jaden Daniels, the freshman battle there, he's taking care of the ball a little bit better than Keaton Slovis. However, USC's got the bigger playmakers on the outside. I'm going in with the reverse jail Mary. Michael Pittman Jr. is catching a Hail Mary pass in this one. USC's winning at the buzzer. It's going to be 31-28, to I think. They take the victory, and you'll walk off on Arizona State's field. There's been two Hail Marys recent history in these. Both times Arizona State's got it, one before halftime a couple years ago. But I think the USC gets one this time. Michael Pittman goes up high. The reverse bold prediction. I like it. Good shotgun. All right. Well, thanks for hanging with us early on USC Game Day for Arizona State Week. Thanks to our sponsors, Trader Joe's and Platinum Storage, plus our contributors, Keely Yor, Shotgun Spratling, Chris Trevino, Chris Cartman, and of course, Taylor Mays. Make sure you check back on KABC Radio Fridays at midnight for the Peristyle pregame show. Enjoy the game, and we will talk to you next time. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.